Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they're investing and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hello, hello. Welcome to Ready to Scale. This is another special edition episode. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman, broadcasting from sunny California. So today I want to talk about the top three biggest misconceptions when investing in real estate during COVID, during the pandemic. As an investor, a sponsor, I actually speak with a lot of investors, passive investors, and also other sponsors. And I hear a lot of ideas and a lot of basically misconceptions from both sponsors and passive investors. And that's what I want to talk to you about. There are main three ones that I keep hearing over and over. And I want to address them and explain why they are misconceptions, why they are not real. So number three is that the asset classes that performed well in the last recession will perform well in this recession, which means class C is the assets you want to invest in. Before I address this misconception, I want to just briefly, really briefly talk about the different asset classes. So you have all from A to D classes. So A classes are the high-end, very nice, you know, newly built buildings, usually in the best areas of town, could be either new construction or up to five, seven, 10 years old. Now, on the other hand, you have D classes, which are very old properties have been built 50, 60 years ago. And basically, you know, they're very old, they need a lot of maintenance, and usually you find them in the Rhone part of town. And in between, you have Class B and Class C. Now, Class B are properties that are a bit older than Class A, but they're still attracting good tenants. They still have good amenities. It could be a property that was built in the 80s or in the 90s. And usually, it has low to medium deferred maintenance. And then you have Class C, which are older than Class B. They're somewhere in between Class B and D, obviously. These are properties that were built in the 60s and the 50s. They have usually a lot of deferred maintenance. And sometimes, but not always, they attract not so strong tenant base because normally the rents are lower. And so in my opinion, what happened in 2008 was that, you know, obviously everyone knows that a lot of people that got basically loans to purchase homes, mortgages that they were not supposed to get because they were not supposed to be qualified. Those people lost their jobs because their loans were too high to pay their debt. And that was, of course, not the whole story, but that's a small part of what happened in 2008. And a lot of tenants that were low income families lost their homes. Now, where would they go? Obviously, they need a place to stay. They need to rent. They can't afford Class A, the high-end buildings, because that's expensive. Class B were also relatively expensive to many of them. And most of those families 
And that would be my hypothesis. They went to Class C. So Class C was in very, very high demand from 2008 and the next five to six years following the crisis, because those who took an active part, basically didn't take an active part. It was, I don't think their fault completely, but those who owned homes and lost them, they basically were the tenants that were looking for Class C. And that's why Class C did really well during the last cycle. Now, right now, actually Class B is kind of leading when it comes to performing in today's recession. Class A are second and only then Class C. And the reason is very simple. We have a lot of people in the service industry and low-income families that, you know, they have low-income jobs and they lost their jobs because a lot of people, you know, lost their jobs in today's market. We're talking about today around 13% unemployment. A lot of them were low-paying jobs. And that's why rent collections are a bit more challenging in Class C. And in addition, you still have deferred maintenance. So that's a misconception that the same, that if you stick to Class C, you're going to be okay, you know, in the next recession. And I remember speaking with investors that bought Class C properties during and after the 2008 recession. And they said, we're sticking to Class C because that's a winning asset class. It's not necessarily true because right now, it's far from being a winning asset class. So that also teaches me that you can learn things from each recession you're going through as, as an investor, whether you're a passive investor or a syndicator sponsor, but you cannot replicate the same thinking, the same strategy, and think that if you behave the same way, it's going to protect you in each recession because things different and every recession is different. So that's misconception number three. Now, the second misconception is that the deals today, if you're buying anything, you should have high returns because you're buying in a down market. Again, that was true 2008. You took a risk, you bought real estate. Usually, if you bought you know, at the right time, the right market, and basically the right product, then yeah, you could have gotten very high returns. But because basically you're saying high risk, high returns. But if you're conservative like me, you understand that basically today we should expect lower returns than before COVID, even though we're buying in a down market, even though, you know, there's more risk. And I'll explain why. So when you're underwriting a deal, you know, basically we're looking, there's a lot of assumptions that go into projecting the returns. So one of them is the exit cap. So cap or cap rate, that's the ratio between the NOI, the net operating income, and the purchase price. So cap rate is something that is being dictated by the market. As investors, we don't have a lot of control over it specifically per property. And so we're assuming that when we are going to be able to sell the property in three years, four or five years, there's going to be a certain cap rate in the market that we will be able to sell the property with that cap, which means if the net operating income today, let's say is a million dollars, and in five years, it's going to be a million and a half, the ratio between that NOI and the purchase price is the cap rate, which means that the higher the cap rate, the lower the prices. So we always assume that the market is going to be worse in five years when we want to sell just to be on a safe side. And so if you're assuming that there's a higher exit cap than the cap rate you're buying the property in right now, 
then by definition, your returns are going to be lower. And if you like to mess with numbers and you have an underwriting tool, just play around with it and just change the cap rate to 10 basis points, meaning, you know, from 5.5 to 5.6% cap and see what it does to returns. This is the one thing that really, really impacts returns significantly. So look it up. The second reason why I think that returns are going to be lower is because we're assuming that rents are not going to grow as much as before COVID. So right now, for instance, the first year of ownership, I assume zero to maybe 1% rent growth. Usually, or not usually, but before COVID, we would assume three or 4% because we really, you know, we thought that every year the market is going to grow by, you know, X percent. But right now, who can look me in the eye and say, I think the market is going to grow 5%, you know, in rent year over year if I buy a property now? Of course, you can't really do that. So what happens is that the returns are going to be lower because prior to COVID, we assumed that the market is going to grow maybe at 2%, 2.5%, but nobody, you know, thought it would be 0%, that rents are going to be flat. Now, another reason why returns are lower now than before COVID is that the renovations are being done slower because you want to make sure you have, you know, tenants. And again, I've said that before, we don't stop renovating. We're just amending the pace and we're going to renovate only when someone says, yes, I want the renovated unit. I'm willing to pay the premium and, you know, I'm willing to sign on a lease. Only then we're going to renovate the units. But it means that the pace of renovation is slower. And so when the pace is slower, that means that your returns are a bit lower because prior to COVID, when the market was strong, you assumed or the sponsor assumed that every unit that is going to become available could be 5, 10, 12 a month. That unit is going to be renovated, you know, right away. And you can capture the premium right away. But that's not really happening. And in addition, obviously, you know, you have a lot of more amendments to the underwriting, such as higher vacancies and higher bad debt or delinquencies, meaning the tenants that are not able to pay their rents, their debt. So basically, when you take all those into consideration, and that's kind of how we underwrite deals these days, then it's very hard for deals to hit 8 and 9 and 10% cash on cash. 9 and 10% cash on cash was harder even before COVID. But even though there's some risk today, which you can mitigate, by the way, then assuming that you can get 12% or 10% cash on cash, that's extremely aggressive. Unless you're buying a property, you know, the 70, 75 cents on the dollar, which we do not see it today, then justifying, you know, an expectation of higher returns is just not realistic, in my view, from what I see and from my experience. Now, the number one misconception in the real estate market today is that it's risky to invest in real estate now. And I want to say that they were bad deals before COVID, and they're bad deals now. There were also good deals before COVID, and they're good deals now. There are just not a lot of them. And, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say that it's riskier, but it's not, you know, it's riskier compared to pre-COVID because there's uncertainty about how much we can collect, 
how much would be the vacancy, but you can mitigate those uncertainties. And just saying that, oh, right now it's risky. I think you really, you know, can miss good opportunities to grow your money if you're just going to be afraid of investing in real estate right now. So I would say, you know, in addition, if you know the break-even figure, what is the break-even analysis? At what point of occupancy and what percentage are you breaking even? So if the break-even figure at the property is 60%, it means that if 40% of the tenants are leaving or not paying, only then you're breaking even. Now, that's a very, very extreme scenario, even during COVID, because you know, properties are pretty much around 90, 95% occupied. So if you have a 50 or 60 or 65% break even, then only if a big chunk, you know, half of your tenants are not paying you, only then you're breaking even, you're not even losing money, but breaking even, that can help you understand that, you know, some properties are I wouldn't say safe. There's nothing is safe when it comes to investments. There's always a risk, which is why you're getting, you know, you're making a profit for the willingness to take that risk. But it's easier to understand that it's not, you know, very scary or super risky to invest in real estate. Again, if you invest in the right deal. The other thing that I would say is that not all markets are affected the same way by COVID. Not and not all tenants lose their jobs. And, you know, I've said it before that 70% of new tenants in the past three months that we brought to our properties, they chose to go with the renovated unit and pay higher rent. So these tenants were not impacted, financially weren't impacted by COVID. And so just assuming that, you know, all markets are bad right now and, you know, tenants don't have money to pay for rent, that couldn't be far from the truth. And you just have to do some more research and understand where are the hot zones and where are you know areas that are okay i've said it before you can actually go to cddata.com and you can search their interactive map it's a free website you can search the interactive map that can show you in on each zip code what's the exposure to covid infections so you can decide you know you can be the judge of whether this is risky based you know if one of the parameters are covid exposure the last thing that i would say is if you trust you know your sponsor and you you invest passively and the sponsor has been providing the right information especially when covid started if they communicated well if they still paid you your distributions then i would tend to trust those sponsors more than others trust but verify obviously and i have another previous special edition episode when I speak about how to vet a deal in today's market and should definitely listen to that one. But, you know, if you have a sponsor that already, you know, they're showing you that they performed during COVID, then, you know, that shows you that not all investments in real estate right now are necessarily risky. A lot of my fellow syndicators, including, you know, my company, Blue Lake Capital, have been performing pretty well paid distributions on time, hit returns, if not, you know, exceeding the expectations and projections. So that means that what was perceived as risky a few months ago when everything just started turned to be a pretty solid and safe investment that is appreciating over time. 
So just to recap, the top three biggest misconceptions while investing in real estate today are one, that asset classes that performed well in the previous recession are going to perform well in this recession. And number two is that the deal should have high returns because you're investing in a downturn market. And lastly, that it's risky to invest in real estate now. If you want to read more about how to vet a deal and what components you should be looking at as a passive investor, you can basically go to my website, ellieperlman.com, and you can download a free guide about the top five deal components that every passive investor should examine. That's it for today, guys. Be bold, be great, and keep moving forward. And I'll catch you in the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.